Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, All Things Cycling Podcast. And I know you guys are waiting for this one because I am going to be talking all about my race report from Unbound in Emporia, Kansas. Now, I've, wrote, I've written down a bunch of notes. I'm going to share with you as much as I can that I can remember. If you have questions, I'd love for you to share with them in the comments on YouTube so that I can get back to you. So I'm going to be covering everything. Like I'm not going to be talking about so much my ride, my uh, trip or my road trip there, but everything that happened once I arrived and um, all the people I met, things that happened, my race setup, the things I um, will improve. Uh, Yes, I believe I'm going to be going back. I have unfinished business and I wish I wasn't, but I am. So now let's get started from the time I arrived. So I arrived in Emporia and you don't have to stay at a bed and breakfast or a hotel. You can stay in camp at the fairgrounds, which is pretty damn amazing and very spacious. So a lot of people are traveling in vans these days or setups on uh, with trucks. I was in a tent. The cool thing about um, the fairgrounds is that um, they have open cattle barns where in Canada, ours are all closed up because it's cold. They're very windy, very hot, very open. So the nice thing about it is that we had shade and I was one of the first people to arrive on Wednesday which he said, you know, first come first serve is 20 bucks a night. I got to stay there for five nights for 80 bucks. Amazing. Um, whereas, you know, two nights out of the, the, the five, I was actually out racing. So I didn't really want to spend money on a place when I wasn't going to be there. Right. Number one. So I arrive and, um, the whole time, Leading up to, I didn't have Wi-Fi. My roaming didn't kick in uh, for my Virgin phone. And so I had to stop at McDonald's all the way down, which kind of annoying. But anyways, I had to get gas and go to the bathroom. So I just checked in with everybody. So once I got there, my I rolled up and I picked a spot. And my tent mate was, his name was Owen from Ireland, which is how cool is that somebody from, you know, across the pond who's here to race unbound super cool and we were both doing excel 
So as you might not know, I um, went, I registered for Unbound XL, not knowing what I was getting into uh, because I actually thought I was going to race the 100. And I am actually really, really glad that I did XL. It is a, a, you know, like way more distance, but the thing is that it's a small group. It's a much smaller group. There's less stress on um, competition and you get to see way more of Kansas um, opposed to just a hundred, hundred mile loop. Um, and I was really kind of glad that I did it. Um, I, my background, I'll just pan over here to these guys uh, in the window. Um, a lot of those uh, medals are podium finishes for 36 hour adventure races. So I was not, you know, I had a lot of background behind me for overnights, um, distance riding, uh, preparing all those things. But <laughs> this Unbound was way different from some of the, my preparation didn't go as planned, but thankfully I was okay. Now, if you're listening to this, you might wanna pan over to YouTube because this is a hugely visual um, episode. I'm gonna try and explain as much as possible uh, for you who are listening. But if you're looking for getting feedback and ideas for your own, bikepacking or longer endurance event, uh, gravel event, this might be something you might wanna watch. So first I'm gonna show you, I have my map here. And this is the first thing that I did is I bought a big Atlas map, it cost me 30 bucks, but I put together the route. So for me, it was a, it was a really good visual as to some of the landmarks, some of the places, that I was going. So I actually had an idea where I was on the course. Because let me just tell you, it is the weirdest feeling being out in the middle of nowhere, just following your GPS, which you hope is going to not die. Well, I didn't have to hope I had a good battery pack. But it's just showing you right, left, right, left. And, you know, you're kind of like, okay. And you're, you're literally at the helm of this device, right? And some of the things like when I was out on course and people were stopping because of mechanicals or, you know, they were just done, like literally they were walking their bikes and like, you know, I'd always go by and say, Hey, you okay. And there's like, yeah, I'm going to be picked up. And I just thought in my mind, I'm like, where are they picking you up? Like, do you know where you are and how far are you going to have to walk to the person that's picking you up? Like to me, I'm like, oh my God, let's just keep going as, as fast or as far as you can go. I was just like blown away that, yeah, I'm just going to get picked up. Okay. So I'm going to share with you some of this um map i've done other uh, youtube videos on it but um so emporia and it's the first 120k so down here and um and then after i'm going to explain kind of what happened in these sections because they're important <laughs> so emporia 120k down to first stop cottonwood that's like about 5k start at three 
here in about five hours. So that's about eight, nine. And then you go all the way down another 120K down to El Dorado. Okay, then you go across this about 60K to Eureka. Then across, you pan over. Da -da. Hamilton is another like, I think this was 180K and then 60K over to Madison. And then that's where there's a checkpoint or a cutoff of 11 p.m. There's actually a cutoff at uh, Hamilton for 3 p.m. You have to get through there for 3 p.m. And then up here by um, 11 p.m. in order to continue on to the finish. So kind of knew that, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, as I will explain, I just like, I'm going to make it, but I didn't. Anyways, so let's get to the bike. I'm just gonna bring things over here. So I am gonna move the camera around. Okay, and I hope this is good lighting. It's in my basement. So that's my bike. All right, so my bike, Montu Copus. It's a brand out of Armprior. I bought this um, gravel bike two years ago. Last year, well, last year was kind of my, my first year with it. I had a one by, um, so one ring in the front. I absolutely hated it. And last year, because I was getting a lot of drop chains, even with the extender at the back and um, a chain guard, they, they kept on popping off. And so last winter, I upgraded it to a two by and I got a 12 speed in the back. So I got a bigger cassette. Love it. Awesome. I'm happy now. So you can see, um, so, and to lead up to uh, Unbound, um, there were some recommendations. Tubeless tires and um, waxing the chain. All very highly recommended. And I did both. So I spent a week before I left changing my Schwalabies. So I got these. They're oh, recommended tires are the extra durable with 60 TPI. So that's threads per inch. And you want them tighter. I would think it would have been more, but tighter weave because Unbound has a lot of sharp rocks on them. So an extra sidewall protection. Um, so I bought those. They're about a hundred bucks each. Uh, they're the Schwalbe's G1R. So that's why I got uh, my friends at Bellafix got me some at a discount. And then I spent about a week trying to make them tubeless tires. If you've ever done it on your own, you'll know what I'm talking about. So these ones are extremely hard to get on the rim. And uh, so the first one held, the other one didn't. It took me a lot of troubleshooting trying to get it together and <laughs> finally figured it out. Um, and they were amazing for my race. I had no mechanicals, zero whatsoever. And um, the other thing 
that was highly recommended. And my girlfriend, Mel, took me to her buddy Tom's place on Thursday night before the weekend and we waxed the chain, okay? Now, it is kind of dunky. It needs to be waxed again and re-lubed, but honestly, like, um, it was after I washed it after the race, it kind of seized and my friends at, um, so Damien at uh, Smithville Bike Co-op cleaned my chain. <laughs> but still you can see it's starting to get, it's not moving very nicely. And I will obviously have to clean this. Still so much dirt on this bike. And my handlebars are completely, handlebar tape is completely wrecked from, um, from the race. So that, that was my bike setup. And the reason why wax, and it's funny because like when I was on course, you know, so one of the guys like on the course when I was racing, like when we hit the mud sections and you hear all about that in a second, I was like, how did, like, there's so much mud in my chain. I'm like, I waxed it out of recommendation. And it was such a good idea because where I got mud was like right around the front derailleur, like in the walls, like at the front fork and in the back. And the thing is that these are 40 cc tires, anything bigger, and you would have had a lot of issues with mud. So I'm really glad that I went with these smaller tires as well. Okay, so that's my bike setup. I did have clips. I changed these after because I could not put my shoes back on. Okay, so now let's get down to the floor. This is where I've got all my stuff here um, that I'm going to share with you. All right, so let's start. I got my go bike expo. Okay, uh, if you ever go down to Unbound Unbound period, the expo is epic and it's massive. Like my shirt comes with my kit. Um, and we get an amazing bottle like that with our little, so I don't ever want to lose that. Obviously some food, um, socks, some sealant. I'm going to talk about sealant too. Another thing is sealant. So here's a little, little um, teaching moment about sealant, okay? So when I was doing my bike tires, um, my friend asked me, he's like, what kind of sealant do you have? Do you have race sealant or do you have regular sealant? And I was just like, what do you mean? There's a difference in sealant, right? Like, oh my God, what else do I need to know? Um, so apparently, um, regular sealant is just the liquid. Okay. So this looks like regular sealant. There doesn't seem to be, or does it say that there's particles in here? Okay. Same with this one. You can, you can usually see at the bottom if there's anything floating around. Now you'll notice this one, see this one, the black, this, these are microfibers, okay? And that's why you need 
something like this to put it in. Um, so this has microfibers in it. And the reason why this is brace sealant is that when it goes to plug up a hole, all the microfibers will collect at that one spot and, and create a much better, bit of better seal. Okay, so before I went, and I think I, I tossed that container, I had some from my previous race, Barry Roubaix, that had walnut shells in it. So same as microfibers, it's just going to collect and create a much better um, bandage on the inside when you get a flat. So isn't how cool is that, right? Liquid stuff with like stuff inside it, like microfibers, chunks, whatever. Um, so at the very last minute, I decided to put the sealant in or add more sealant that had the walnut chunks in it. I don't know if it helped me. The thing is, if you wanna find out, all I have to do is take off my tires and look on the inside and see if there's any like mounds on the inside of where there was like some sort of small puncture. Wouldn't that be cool? I'm gonna check it out later. Okay, so the expo, amazing. It was huge. I can't even tell you how many uh, exhibitors were there. Everybody who was anybody was there. Okay. The next thing I was just telling you about my bike setup. Um, so before I get into everything else, let's talk about the plan. So everybody needs to have a plan if you're going into an event, especially something of this magnitude. Now, my plan didn't extend past like the night because um, I wasn't sure how it was gonna roll out. However, so my plan, it worked out pretty well um, besides the issues that I had <laughs> physically, uh, not mentally on the course. So my plan was the first stop, which was the first five hours, going to Cottonwood was to not do a pit stop, to bring as much food and water to take me all the way for 12 hours. And that served me really well because when I started, because um, when I got there, there was at least 30 people sitting around. So that's 30 people that were in front of me. And all I did was go to the bathroom, change over my food, put my lights on and leave. And people are like, oh my God, that's a quick transition. I'm like, I don't need to hang out any more than that. I've got all my food, okay? So then it was going into the night. So that was another long section. It was also where we hit all the mud and we'll, and like, I can talk about that now. Um, but I'll talk about that after. But so that was like my only plan. The next one was through the night, making it to, El Dorado, which was kind of like halfway point. Um, so I was 12 hours in and that is where I was going to sleep and eat and refuel and all that. And it worked really well. So I ended up sleeping 15 minutes there. And the thing is that everybody was stopping, everybody's stopping, cleaning off their bike. And um, 
and uh, you know, wasn't going anywhere fast. So that was kind of my plan. And then to continue on and finish at 36 hours. All right, so that's a basic plan, um, first half. And now I'm gonna get into some of the things that I did to prepare. And then we're gonna go right into the real race and how it panned out. Okay, so let's talk about lights because that's an important part. I had four sets of lights. Now, the first one is the, the Selenix. Listen, listen, this, this light. This was kind of like my backup and it can last up to six hours provided you keep it on low. And it's also um, chargeable. Let's back up to my charging, my charging station because this is, this is like an important piece here because it charged everything. Well, it charged everything, could charge everything. It was charging my Garmin the whole time. Now this thing went into a full battery pack. This is a 36,000 um, amp to 3.7 volt. Okay, so 36,000 milli, milliamp. Um, wireless solar power bank. It also has extra cables on the back and a light. Okay, kind of heavy, but totally worth it because, you know, I have the, uh, the 530, it would not have lasted 36 hours without a doubt. So this was powered on the whole race. And honestly, it didn't even take a charge, like it didn't drop it at all. The thing is that I could charge my phone with this and I could charge my light with it. Um, so I had this as a backup, this one here. Okay, I've used it before. My girlfriend, Ellen, you see still lots of Kansas mud on this. Um, this was mounted, this is an outbound lighting system. It was really great for panning. I put this on my front, but I did not use this until uh, my headlamp, the AY Up, this brand. Um, ran out. So I really did like the, the headlamp, even though nobody uses this kind of system anymore with the bands. Um, you can mount it, you can stick it to your front, to the front of your helmet. But the thing is that these lights move simultaneously like this. So the, the really nice thing is that one would go in front of me and one would pan further out. So I could see exactly what was in front and I could see what was coming up. And I really like that. So I used this until a pack like literally ran out. I mean, it didn't even give me any notification. It just freaking blanked out. <laughs> so I was like in the dark. Um, and then I had another pack with me. Then I started using the outbound light. And there is one for the helmet, but it's not mine and it provide it required me to stick it on. Um, but so I didn't use that. So I had enough lighting systems through the night. Let me see here, food. Okay, so my strategy for food, um, I had all the sugary stuff like everybody else does. Um, I actually bought a pizza before we headed to start line and I packed up half of it and gave it 
and put it in my pack. So I literally was going to save that for the night. Um, I really was banking on this. Um, so I made my own pasta, which worked out. So orzo, it cuts up and it solidifies and it was easily to eat, but it kind of got, it didn't get go bad, but it was kind of sticky. It was weird tasting over what it's used to taste like, but it worked in a pinch. It ended up working. Um, I made sweet potato and I added a lot of butter and I think that's what turned it because I've used sweet potato in these nat natural squeezable pouches, the wee sprout. I'm gonna put a lot of the links to the products that I'm talking about in the description, but it's funny because I made it Thursday afternoon. I made like about five, four of them, four pouches. And I put them on ice the next, and I took them, I packed them like Friday afternoon before the race. And by the time I got to them, they had fermented and had bloated up and were not good to eat. And I was like, oh my God, that was like a huge majority of my nutrition for the race. And I couldn't use any of it because it had gone bad. And I don't know if it was like, just because it was sitting in my pack and the heat, it was hot. It was hot Sunday, Saturday. Um, and so I couldn't use them, any of them. I emptied them out to release the weight. And uh, what I did end up doing was buying like cheeseburgers from Casey's and those are amazing. So note to self, for my next race will be like sausage egg McMuffins and probably a Big Mac that I'll bring with me. Just because you need a whole lot of fat um, to keep you going. All right, clothes. Oh, I forgot to bring my bike shorts down. But Montu has an amazing cargo bike short for these types of endurance races or endurance bike packing. Amazing, because you can just pack so much stuff here and you don't have to dig into um, what's on your bike and all sorts of things like that. Um, and yeah, I wish I had them. I have a discount code for you guys. Um, it is Sylvie15. If you want to go check out the Montu cargo bike shorts for men and women, I'll put it in the descriptions. Now I want to go back to uh, my water situation and my bike setup before we move on. So my plan, remember, I'm cruising through the first station. I'm not gonna get any water or anything. I'm not gonna stand in line to buy stuff. I'm going through there. So it was kind of good, like I said, not many of those people passed me actually, um, but here's my bike setup. So, yay. This was my front pouch. Okay, so this is a Riley. Raleigh from Canadian Tire. All my tools on our, are on either side so I can find everything quickly. It is a big pouch on the inside to put all of my stuff. I gotta take that out, put that there. And so that's where the majority of my food went, right in front. <clears throat> okay, love this thing. It's amazing. Oh, there's my food ticket that I never got to use. Um, so that was in the front. 
This one is a Wander Good, Wander Goods. It's a circular pouch. And it has these Velcro, these heavy duty elastics on the side so you can put all sorts of stuff. So I stuffed uh, my lip gloss, um, some toothpicks. I put garbage in here. Um, they were great for that kind of thing. This is also where my battery pack went and sat right beside my Garmin, right here. So I had a, the extension straight from here to my Garmin the whole time. So it never ran out of battery power. Now, granted, I could probably have gone with something a little bit lighter, but if I needed to like charge up my lights, let's say, during the day before I hit the night again, um, you need something and also my phone. So that was on the side, front side. I had this one, I probably could have gone without it. It was right here and I did stuff my camera, my phone in there. It has a rain cover. So that was kind of nice because it did rain a bunch of times. And I can just put like food in here, but then I have the side pouches here and things like that. So this one is probably questionable as to whether I really needed it or not. This was my backpack, my under the seat, um, Rock Brothers. This is in, um, it's a, uh, supposed to be waterproof. Um, so what I had in here is I had a small uh, dry bag and I had a shirt, a vest, arm warmers in here. What I really should have had was a pair of shorts, socks, arm warmers, jacket. See the difference? So I had a Gore-Tex jacket. I'm really glad I did because um, I didn't really need it through the night, but when it rained and you got cold, it was worth it. So, so this was my under the pack. It held really sturdy. Just at one point, it kind of dragged a teeny bit, got a little scuffing there, um, but I just had to tighten it up. So that one was a really good option for having a back. Now I had this backpack as well. This is where I carried my two liters of water, my two liter Camelback. And I had two water bottles on either side. So I had four in here and two on my bike. Because remember, I wanted to go through a full 12 hours. Um, and you know, I was looking at the map, I'm like, oh yeah, there's lots of water. There's not lots of water. <laughs> there was not a lot of water. And if it, there was water, it was like way the hell in the middle of the field. Um, so, but I did not drink as much as I needed. I did put um, other food in here as well, but realistically, all my food could have been right in here, okay? And I could, now that I think back, I mean, Vode is really good. It, I never sweat with this on my back. See, there's a, you can see right through there. It's a great way that it keeps, the heat off your back. Um, this is also where my food went bad as well. And um, I got started getting some hot spots from these little guys on my hips. 
like on my upper back. Um, it wasn't until like I pulled, oh, what's this? I pulled my, um, my jacket and wrapped around my waist because I wasn't using it. Then the pain stopped. Oh my God, it was painful. Um, so, and then I had my four water bottles right here. Now, thinking back, like I said, I don't think I needed as much water to carry with me. Four ounces was probably would have been good enough in between the stops. Um, all right, now let's start, let's get into the start. Oh, let me just talk about these. <clears throat> these were optional. I had them on, I set up my lights and I'm just like, they just, there's no space left for these tri bars. Huge regret, huge. Um, so, because like literally they're, they're the answer to your sore back and also allowing you to get into another position to push hard in a different position. Cause I, I tried that and I just hung my hands over kind of dangerous when you're on gravel, um, but you could speed up. It was a great way to get a little bit faster and get, your, get yourself in a different position. So total regret that I took these off, the handlebars off. Um, I did scout around to some others and they had lifts. Like, because these were the, the bar or the attachment, leaves it really close to my handlebars so I can't get my hands underneath comfortably. Um, a lot of people have risers, so they'll elevate your handlebars by two inches. And I was like, oh my God, that's the answer, right? And then you had more space. And then there's other ones that had different types of like small little handlebars where you could mount like your Garmin or your lights to it. Like that is something I would spend way more time figuring out. Um, the whole front of my bike, but I wish I'd kept these on. Yeah, okay, let's get started with the race report, shall we? I know you're like, oh my God, we're just getting started with the race report. Now, you probably, if you're following my Instagram, you'll notice that I did not officially finish because I met, I missed the cutoff at 11 p.m. on Saturday night in Madison. Madison, Hamilton. So, um, so I stopped. I stopped with two other guys and um, we just stopped, we kind of accepted it. But then the next day we found out that another guy who was behind us, we thought that we were literally the last people on the, on the course, that he finished in 48 hours at 11 p.m., 11 a.m. Sunday morning, it was totally celebrated. So kind of a little bit that stung a little bit, I won't lie. Um, and uh, yeah, so just the fact that we could have kept on going regardless of being DQ'd um, or scratched because we didn't officially quit. Um, 
we were eliminated because we didn't hit the, the cutoff. So, I mean, I feel kind of better about that because I didn't quit. So many people quit. Um, and just listening to race reports after and listening to some pros, some pros said, you know, it was just, it would have been physically or impossible for them to keep up the stamina to go the distance on their 200 notes, like alone, like solo. And I'm just like, oh my God, seriously? Um, yeah, it was really hard. Like, I can't even tell you what my feelings were after that. It's just kind of like disbelief. Oh my God, like, um, you know, is it over? I'm in, you know, I'm just in so much physical pain. Um, but the mental side, I could have finished that 60K. Um, I don't know why I didn't just didn't do it. Like we didn't do it um, because we we're talking about it. Like it was me and Jim and Murray from Utah <laughs> and they were doing the 200. I was doing the XL, same cutoff, same finish, um, same last section of the race. And, um, and we're just saying like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to finish it. We're going to finish it for Strava because that's all that matters. <laughs> right. Right back to Strava. It's not on Strava, it doesn't count. So now my finishing time for Unbound, I'll forever be looking at that last section that I'm missing. Um, so yeah, we were fully vested. Um, but the funny thing is, is that when we were, and I shouldn't back up. So I should, I should not start by the end. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, that was like the toughest, you know? And um, and I'd like to ask, like, if there's, if, if you did unbend Excel or any one of the races, like, how did you mentally or physically feel during that event? Um, again, back to, like, here's a, um, a question for a pro. If you have gone to this event to win and you are no longer in winning contention, would you finish or would you pull the plug because you're not going to win? I've come across that in recently in a lot of pros where if they're not in contention, why finish? Why finish the event? You know, and I don't get it because that's not what this is about. You know, it's about going out and experiencing and having experience and learning from your experience, not pulling the plug because you're not first you never know what's going to happen and of course you're going out to win you've got 30 other people who want to win too and that can maybe push you way beyond your capacity to be pushed because you've got 30 people pushing the pace to see who is going to break and once you get into your head that it's not going to be you because you can't keep up are you going to pull the plug are you going to create some sort of excuse in your head why you should stop? Anyways, I just, to me, um, you should always finish an event and, and look, look at what happened to me. I didn't. Um, but the thing is that I didn't, I did say that, you know, I was going there to finish in 36 hours. I still had three hours, but 
let's be honest, that last section was not going to be a three hour, 30, 60 K section, you know, maybe on road, but not on gravel. Um, but that wasn't the thing while we were finishing that second last leg from, um, from Hamilton, no, from Madison to Hamilton, there were Jeeps going in and taking people off the course. Like they would pass us going in, go out, go in, go out. And there were people just standing there waiting to be rescued. Like get on your bike and bike out. Um, and so when they finally came out, they said, you know, you've missed the cutoff. Your race is over. And we're kind of like, okay like we kind of knew we kind of missed it. They said, well, they hung around half an hour and it's like an hour now and your race is done. So it's kind of like when you have a, an event um, supervisor, wasn't the organizer, but they were race marshals, I guess you could say, saying your rent race is over. You're kind of like, okay, I guess my race is over. I get it. I didn't meet the cutoff, but you know, and, and we didn't even think about that. We're just like, okay, um, maybe we can bike back on the road and not be 60K and um, it'll be good. Thank God we didn't do that. The road was horrible. <laughs> um, but it was just funny. Like as soon as we went through um, Madison or Hamilton, Hamilton, um, one of the guys, because they had race support, their wives was there. And it was just the funniest thing. As soon as they showed up, she had the recovery drink. And they were literally changed and clean before like, <laughs> like a matter of five minutes. It was really kind of funny now that I think about it. So, I mean, and that was just like, yeah, we're uh, heading home. And um, so I just didn't think about the possibilities of continuing on. Like, to be honest, it was just, okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was weird, but that's how it went. I can't explain it anywhere. Like I'm not gonna make anything up, but let's get back to the start, the start of the event because everything that led up to that moment of being late at the check-in had everything to do with the beginning of the race. So it has to, let me talk about my shoe and sock situation because this is where it all started. Okay, so I bought these new shoes from Decathlon. Um, I wasn't going to run uh, cleats. And I've heard now that a lot of endurance racers don't just because of what I experienced uh, because of hot feet. So there's more movement. You can move around on your pedals way better um, when you have flats and shoes. And also, you know, hike a bike shit stuff like that uh, you don't have to worry about um you know getting mud on them and not being able to clip in and things like that so anyways i bought these literally a week before they are really comfortable they're super wide in the in the foot and that's what i was looking for i couldn't find anything left in my shoe size um so yeah look how nasty they are on the bottom they're all chewed up but so getting ready, I know my shoes are a tad big. I'm like, okay, I'll put some wool socks on, merino wool socks. And um, so that filled them up a bit. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should tighten them. 
okay, if you've ever tightened your shoes, what do your feet feel like later on down the road? Yeah, exactly. You got it. They were too tight. They were too tight. I had put booties kind of over top of them. And um, when we started, like I didn't notice biking down, but when we started and started riding hard, um, my feet started aching right from the beginning. Like my toes are still numb right now from that whole experience. So I tighten them down and I'm riding and I'm like, like, like my knuckles are being like ground together. I didn't do them that tight, but they're just tight enough. And the socks situation that they were like, like rubbing together. And it like, I started right from the get-go. And so I had, I'd never experienced such soreness, extreme pain in my feet ever. And it took me like at least two, three hours before I decided I didn't decide I hit this, this little hill and it was such big rocks that I kind of unclipped and stopped. I was like, okay, I've got to deal with my shoes right now, like right now. And so I literally ripped off those little booties and, um, loosened up my, my, my shoes. But by that time, I don't know if the damage was done, but it alleviated the pain just a little bit that and it just continued hurting the whole time so we started the race and i have some pictures that i put up on my strava or my instagram but there was a huge storm coming and you could literally see it behind us it was black it was ominous it was thundering lightning you can see it in the distance and we're like biking away from it as it's hitting emporia and um and it's just like oh my god that's so crazy uh and it did rain a little bit on us so now my feet are sore right it starts pouring stop get my jacket on i shouldn't have bothered but anyways i did my chamois starting to get wet or it is wet like it rained enough that everything was wet okay these two things have happened feet are sore my chamois wet and it's like three, four hours into, or like two, three hours into the race of 36 hours. Okay. That's the stage for the rest of the <laughs> rest of the whole 30 hours that I was out there. So literally, um, so at that time, um, I was probably like mid pack, maybe towards the back, um, faster ones in front. I'm kind of counting out the women who are passing me or me passing them. Um, it was a, it was such gorgeous terrain, like so green. Like I've never seen such green lush fields, even here in Canada. It was so beautiful and like expansive, like wide. Um, little groups of cows here and there. Um, yeah, I thought it would be more, more rocky um more brown kind of like calgary <laughs> um but i was really surprised so so that was like a lot of like it's just like little rollers and some are a little bit steeper than others 
I wouldn't say there was anything more epic than anything else. Um, there were five hills on our course that popped up on our on my Strava. Um, I think the steepest one was the Judge, which was on section the second to last section, and um, the other ones just popped up. It's just like you just grind it out nice and slow. So, so that started right away, and I got to Cottonwood, and um, like I did a fast transition. I didn't stay there. I passed like about thirty five people. And I got into the night, like it was like 8.30. I got everything and I got into the night. One person passed me, which was Spencer. Hey, Spencer from um, uh, Guelph. He did, no, he did Curtin and Halliburton on a single speed, kicked ass, like I think nine laps, uh, just killed it for everybody. Um, anyways, I ended up riding with him through the night until like we were just sort of like he was in front of me and he was kind of like that little carrot you know I'm like oh I just up to him and then I've dropped back and then so we just kind of like kept each other company and then I was just like wow this is really weird like I know I'm not that fast but like nobody from that store has passed us nobody like he was the only one from that store that passed and um then like around 11 o'clock so I got into the night around 8 30 11 o'clock is when the mud hit and literally you're like cruising along and all of a sudden you're like like dead stop in this mud your your bike is full of it and you're like what the hell and it's fine you just look around and then you see the lines in the grass on the side of the road you're like get off the road get into the grass stop riding your bike and so you push it through the mud and as you're pushing it toward the grass, there's all the rocks on the side. The rocks get caught in the mud and then you literally cannot move your bike anymore. So that is why another huge recommendation, and I don't, where, don't know where it is, is bringing one of those brushes or a spatula or something or a paint stir stick to get the mud off of your bike. Like literally, if you didn't come in with one of those three, like you were screwed. There is no nothing around to clean your bike off no branches no trees no nothing so so thankfully you know you pull that out you put first and foremost like at the top you know so it's accessible and you just keep like cleaning off your tire like here it was ground up like on both sides and um and then right down like right here like in the the frame the fork, like just above your tire, down near the front derailleur. I didn't have any problems with the chain or in like back derailleur um, and in the back right here. So back frame. And if you didn't um, clean your wheel off, I saw pictures on some pages that they literally ground a hole into the frame, into the frame of the fork from all the mud that was on the wheel. And then I started looking at mine and there's just like a little, there's a little rubbing. I don't think it's gonna compromise my, my frame. Like they, it's like literally a hole full of mud. Um, so yeah, it was a walk. It was a hike bike for at least 90 minutes until um, you're, you're out of there. And um, I assume that wherever it rains, 
like because these round rain pockets that's kind of what your road looks like but it's not an issue for cars it's an issue for small bike like bikes um so that was the night I hung out with Spencer we biked together until another fixie guy passed him and then he was gone <laughs> and I was like by myself um we yeah so that was um kind of all the way down to El Dorado that was another 120k um down to El Dorado so by the time I got there it was completely spent um everybody was down there either eating sleeping washing off their bikes their drivetrain so they can continue on and um, when I showed up everybody there's just one cap everybody was using it with a a, a mutt like a, a um just like a, a cup like running it over their chain and then somebody showed up with a high pressure spray gun I was lucky somebody used it to clean my bike <laughs> but thank god um so that's where I spent probably my longest time um probably about an hour just sort of like getting my head about me changing up my food eating I slept for 15 minutes and then I was off just as the sun was coming up around five o'clock. So I was expecting to get there around three. I think I got there around 4.30 and I left, or maybe four o'clock and I left around 5.30 or five. Anyway, something like that. Um, so then the next section, I was pretty much by myself um, for, I think it was an 80K stretch. Uh, from El Dorado all the way to Reese. I don't think I even noticed the place, but anyways, there. And then that's where it hit the first creek crossing. Um, by my, so this is where the extreme pain, I was so slow. I couldn't like literally sit on my saddle. It was so painful. So I had pain in my crotch, pain in my feet, trying to stand up, trying to sit down, try and pedal. It was excruciating. So that whole section um, where the creek crossing was and then up to a bridge. Um, There's a bridge out, so you had to walk across it and right into Eureka. So Eureka was the next Casey's and uh, that's where That's where I hooked up with this guy, Chris, and um, we hit the second creek crossing and um, I was feeling a little bit better, a little bit faster on my feet. I guess maybe it's because I was riding with someone. Um, we made it up to uh, Hamilton. Sorry, get all my places mixed up. Hamilton was, and that's where there's a 3 p.m. cutoff. And hi, where did I leave him? There was a there was a spot that um, there was a water spot somewhere between there, and um, and then I I left him. He didn't want to continue on, so he quit there. And then I went on to Hamilton. And that's where the three p.m. cutoff was. And I stayed there for like half an hour, getting food, eating, sorting my stuff out. And that's finally where I asked somebody for some ibuprofen. And um, 
left and was heading up to um, Madison, which is where the cutoff was. So Hamilton, then Madison. If I did reverse, whatever. Hamilton, then Madison. And uh, yeah, Hamilton to Madison. And um, then I was like golden. I couldn't feel a thing. I could actually ride fast. And that's when this big ass rain cloud, thunder cloud rolled over and we hit more mud. <laughs> more mud. Oh, I forgot the morning mud. The morning mud. Where's the morning mud? The morning mud was uh, out of El Dorado. That must have been at least like 10K of walking or 5K. It was long. It was where I lost my favorite chamois butter. I was literally in so much pain. I was by myself walking my bike and I just like had to go to the bathroom. I put down my bike, grabbed my chamois butter, pulled down my pants, went to the bathroom, stood there naked in the sun. I was like, oh my God, please just sun my bum. <laughs> it was brutal. And then I left my chamois butter there. So my new favorite chamois butter is from Muck Off. I told these guys they better do more stuff for women. This one right here is CC Chamois Cream with aloe vera and sheer butter. It's really kind of moisturizing. So really liking that. Um, anyways, it's somewhere in the grass out there in Kansas. And uh, that's also, yeah, that was a long hike of bike. That was like right away, kind of around six, seven in the morning um, till probably about nine. And then I was by myself pretty much the whole time. There was a bunch of people there. Here's the funny thing about that mud. And um, literally in the night, you could hear people like, chains breaking like because when we're in the mud that's when a bunch of group of people start showing up that were at the um at the these cottonwood stop and if you push your way through that mud you would basically snap chains snapping derailers were breaking off ending up in um in spokes like it was crazy what was happening. People were getting flats, like having to deal with flat in that kind of mud was, I can't even imagine, you know? And um, so it was like literally stop and you couldn't get out. Like if you went off the grass and tried to run, you would just literally gunk up your bike a whole again until you went off into the grass and cleaned it off. And not to mention your shoes are like cement, like, they were so full of mud as well um it was the same deal on on saturday morning when we hit the other patch like long <laughs> forever you could ride in the grass um and get yourself along uh, a lot of people just walk like i walk because my crotch is so sore in my feet um but you could ride you could ride it and i just remember i was standing beside this girl from like Netherlands or something and this guy just came bombing down from the top because and he just got like stuck right beside us and his derailleur snapped off and like took out three of his spokes and we're in the middle of nowhere 
you know, like her husband was waiting for her at the very end. And I ended up seeing him because I left those two. And, um, and yeah, like, can you imagine? Like you, that's a mechanical you can't deal with. You have to walk your bike out. Um, you could single speed it, but you have got three spokes missing and that's not gonna work on your wheel, especially when you're hitting hard stuff. And it was just crazy how many people were taken out by mechanicals. Here's a little stats for you. So I think 229 people registered, 197 showed up at start line. 47 finished, 47 finished. So, and that time, that time I was passing women who were pulling, who were stopping because of mechanicals. I'm like, oh my God, my, my, um, this is just getting better for me. Like if I finish this, I could be, you know, like one of the only people, one of the small few who actually finished it. So that was kind of motivating. You know, as I saw like past these women who were like, you know, yeah, I'm waiting for something, you know, I'm going to walk and, you know, like I'm, I've got a mechanical I can't deal with. And I was like, hey, this is starting to get good for me. <laughs> you know, um, it could have been really good for me. I could have been the 48th person. No, I would never have made it in the cutoff because like one of the things that with my Garmin, I was only watching the map. I was too scared to try and flip it through to look at the data and the time. I had my watch, but, and to look at the mileage and that for that, I, I regret it, but I was so focused on not losing the map, like losing the map to me would be like, oh my God, where the hell am I? Right. Um, so I didn't flip through the pages. Now I know how to do it right on the left, up and down. Anyways, um, so that was that. That was like night mud, morning mud, later afternoon mud. Um, there was another section that was had to be walkable, but I actually biked it. Um, and then until like you think you're okay to go back out on the road, because then you, if you're not, you just get everything gunked up again. And um, yeah. So I'm on my way to Madison, which is the cutoff. Where is it? Madison, which is the cutoff. That's at 313 miles. And I can't remember if I, if Jim and Emery caught up to me or if I caught up to them, but we decided to ride together. So that meant we stopped together and everything. And uh, maybe if I had gone on by myself, I could have caught it. I don't know. Like I'm, it's impossible. That was an hour. We are hour over time. Um, so it's it's useless to think about that. But we were traveling quite well together, which was good. And um, you know, we just said that we were going to finish this together. Um, and um, yeah, we kind of ended it together too. So that is kind of my race report. You know, there was, there was no times when I was like, I think, well, maybe the first section, no, the second section after Cottonwood, um, where I was kind of doubt, not doubting. I just like, I was in so much pain. I'm like, I don't know, can I quit because of this? Like, I just like, is it worth it? You know, is it, is it worth it? And I'm like, well, 
I'll just keep going. And then it came a point where I'm like, oh my God, I'm like almost halfway done. How could I stop? Like I can keep going as long as I don't have any serious mechanicals. And I'd never wanted to say anything because like, honestly, just think about mechanical could probably brought on like a flat and I didn't want to have to deal with a flat tire. And I was like, as long as I'm really ginger in these mud spots, then I won't break my chain and I won't break my derailleur. Here's some other stuff that I, I learned. So because some of these bikes have one buys in the front and these huge, huge cassettes in the back, it means their derailleur has to be much longer to reach down past um, the cassette to change the gear. And that those are the ones that were snapping off because there was so much tension when it's on such a small gear. And then it was just down so far and it would get gunked up and it, you know, you're just putting so much force on it. Those were the derailers that were snapping, like literally snapping off. Um, so when I got back, got back at like, I don't know, 1.30 in the morning, um, took a long shower. Um, there was, there was a couple of points when I just got, I got really emotional about my family, my kids, and I'm going to finish this and they're going to be so proud. And, and that's what drove me. Um, I don't know what I thought about. I didn't listen to anything. I saw a lot of people with iPods. I mean, I would have been like wasting time trying to figure out what I was going to listen to next. Um, and so, yeah, so I didn't listen to music. I didn't listen to anything. Uh, I just motored on. I thought about, the, you know, like my surroundings, um, competition. I don't know. I can't even remember what I thought about. But um, I know that I didn't have a moment of doubt. I know I knew that I could do this. I just, I said, you know, it's not going to be pretty. And I didn't know when I was going to do it, but I got as far as I could. So 500 kilometers on my legs that I've not done over hundred K. Um, and I finished and um, I was feeling pretty good. Legs were really sore for like two days. <laughs> Sitting and standing was painful. Um, yeah, so I got back and uh, some of the yummy food on the road was like, cheese burgers cheeseburgers from Casey's like I felt like a new person when I ate that thing and I bought one more for the road um so I'm definitely going to go with more fatty stuff like that um I'm going to pack I'm going to get use a different backpack um orange mud has some really cool packs that you can pack a lot of stuff into um, and actually with the back bag and um, it, I think I would have enough plus bringing two pairs of bike shorts to change into another pair of socks, arm warmers, jacket, that's it. Um, these things, um, tri bars, uh, for sure. Um, ibuprofen, without a doubt. I'm going to put that in my bike pack. 
Uh, my glasses from Zizu were amazing um, because it rained and they were just great protection. Um, I didn't use them at night, but uh, they were really great during the day. Um, what else? I think that that's it, guys. I don't know what else to tell you, but um, the thing is that, you know, I, I was saying to Jim and Murray as we're biking, like, we have to do this because I don't want to come back and redeem myself or, you know, come back with a vengeance on this course. And I didn't get to finish it, but I'm like, oh my God, am I going to come back? Do I have to come back? Do I have to like finish business? And I think I might have to come back and finish business. But now I know shit ton more than what I did before. Um, and so if you're ever, um, you know, have any questions about Unbound Excel, uh, I think anybody can do it. Um, riding your bike consistently, uh, being prepared. Like I felt uber prepared. Like there wasn't anything that had, hadn't taken care of, which makes a huge impact. Like I brought so much food. Um, I probably won't eat a bagel for a very long time. Um, here's something that I use at the end. This palmetic. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have them, but they're amazing. I actually use this in the car to massage my legs. Has anybody seen these? Amazing. Anyways, highly recommended. I'll add a link to that. This one wasn't that expensive. I actually got it at uh, Costco. Um, so things that I would do differently for training next year. So I wouldn't do anything different than I did this year, um, I would do more strength training because I do find like my upper body, my arms were really taking a beating on the downhills. Um, oh yeah, terrain, terrain. I've never seen so many variations of gravel in my life. Um, and uh, it was just like, you have to be ready for everything. Like here, we've got nice gravel and potholes. There, there's no potholes. And um, I was surprised that there was no like washouts like across the like the street the roads um, that you can kind of lose your bike in. Um, and uh, yeah, when you rolled, you rolled like really fast. Um, a lot of the time, it was windy the whole time. A lot of times, the wind's in your face when it's at your back. It's a godsend. Um, you feel like a machine. Uh, so I was just, I think I was just appreciating everything. I would never want to go in there and like really like race for positioning. Um, because I think right now, you know, it's just too much pressure. It's just nice to go out and enjoy myself and prepare properly and, um, you know, just try and do a good job. So I think that's it. So before you go, don't forget to follow and hit the notifications um, for the next podcast episode, because what I did went there is I connected with a lot of people, um, like 
it was either like um, companies or straight up individuals about their experience with Excel. And I, for me, it's kind of important, not Excel, but like Unbound in itself, like what brings 4,000 people out to race is not all about watching the pros, which is kind of making me a bit ill. I mean, they're really nice people, but um, when you look at an event, you want to be looking at everybody else's participating, not just the lifetime Grand Prix athletes, which is great. I mean, we need to promote the the sport. I don't think we need to promote the sport as uh, growing just nicely. Um, but it's everybody else that came out to experience it. And I have uh, quite a few people lined up to talk about their experience with Excel and what brought them there, uh, with Excel with Unbound and what brought them there. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Also, some key people in the business uh, going to be setting up episodes with them. So stay tuned. Make sure that you put the notifications on and you follow the YouTube channel so you don't miss a fun episode with some individuals from Unbound. And then we'll move on to other things. So with that, have an amazing day. If you have questions, please put them in the comments. Um, I think I covered just about, I think I covered everything for me. Um, I will be sharing more things about tube to tubeless and waxing because I got myself all kitted up uh, when I had to do that. And um, it's way easier than you think, like way easier. I don't know why people make it so intimidating, but um, I'm going to try and create some good videos that make it easy for you to do it on your own um, or with friend. This is a great way to do a little party, get together and do it all together. So have a great day and I hope you enjoyed that episode. All right, friends. So what did you think? Now, I did mention that I'm going back. Who is going to come back with me? That's the big question. And if you're considering Unbound for the first time, make sure that you reach out to me on YouTube and uh, we will work together on winter training, which is super uber important for getting you to the finish line and being prepared. Nobody gets prepared for one of these events, but you can be prepared. Um, anyways, I uh, like, I don't think I mentioned, but when I finished, I was so indifferent. I, I'm not sure what I wanted or how I felt after that finish. And and just through the whole experience. Um, but now there's been two weeks, uh, almost, well, two weeks. It's been, um, yeah, I'm glad I did it. And I'm almost now turn the page where I am looking forward to going back to finish that course, like to finish, right? Um, I know what to do. I have prepared all the changes that I'm going to make and um, I wouldn't do anything different with regards to the travel that I did. Um, I think it's super important to get there early, unstressed, de-stressed and um, just really chilled and getting everything set up um, to have a good event. So but you never know what the course is going to give you, right? People complained about it. It was so funny. You should be on some of these forums. And, um, you know, like saying that they should have been rerouted. How can you reroute 
a course when you don't know what the road's going to be like until you get on it. It's bizarre to me, but people just think that this is just an easy fix for anything, especially as an event organizer. You can't just easily do that because there's not really that many options. Um, and uh, But you just have to suck it up because this is gravel. This is gravel and you got to take whatever it gives you. So with that, I hope you enjoyed this. Um, I really enjoyed bringing all that the information to you. Um, if you go to the description, I listed everything that I talked about, all my gear, I believe, mostly, I think. Um, and uh, so maybe you can check out some of those items, uh, do a little research yourself and uh, get yourself set up. But please, if you have questions, love to see them um, either in the way of reviews and um, on or on um, YouTube. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.